Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants. Featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazzoni. Part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. Doug, the biggest news of the week, of course, is uh, Isan Diaz getting his first hit of the season. Uh, we're going to devote the next 30 minutes to just discussing that and a stellar defense. I mean, let's not let's not damn him with faint praise. Uh, he's, he's really been picking it in second base. Brian, Brian <laughs> I have never felt so justified. I've never <laughs> felt so full of myself. That's right. Uh, not only, by the way, did he get a hit and an RBI, and it was a hit with runners in scoring position, <laughs> which has been tough. He also, in yesterday's game, he drew a walk. I believe the Giants only had three base runners in yesterday's <laughs> game, and he was one of them. So, I mean, really, I think I think you're going to see some down-ballot MVP votes for, for Isan Diaz. <laughs> uh, yeah, watch out. Watch out for later there. But seriously, the trade deadline happened. I guess that's what everyone wants to talk about. We're also going to be doing our bullpen trust power ranking for July, which, Doug, as a veteran of this, I have some questions for you. We're at the point of the season where I, I'm kind of like discombobulated with this trust ranking. But before that, let's talk about this somber, uh, low-key, mid. No, is lower than mid trade deadline that the Giants just had, where they merely acquired the cremains of A.J. Pollock. Is that like too... Uh, mean to cremated remains like is this worse is this like the vaporous ghost of AJ Pollock like we're definitely dealing with uh, a very low um, very small amount if the police were stopping and frisking you a very small amount of AJ Pollock that they'd find on you on your person trace trace amounts of 2015 (laughs) AJ Pollock when he was an all-star yeah Um, he you know he exists the Giants are three and zero in the AJ Pollock era. I think you have to credit him mostly for the team's turnaround. Him and Isan Diaz. I think just those two have really turned this this team around. Is he good now? I wouldn't say that. No. Should he have a roster spot? Look, I don't make these decisions. Do I know why he's on the team? Not really. <laughs> um, I do. I have a way to end this segment where I just it's okay. keep asking, keep asking questions. questions. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a way to end this. It's a move that uh, I wrote about that Brian Sabian wishes he could have made this year, but also a move that he could have made, uh, you know, at any time. It was a classic Brian Sabian move. And it was just a reminder to me that the more things change, the more they stay the same. I was just tickled by that because it was clearly one that filled a need, which is someone who can be a warm body and play the outfield nominally, I guess, and has some veteran presence 
and maybe you'll get lucky and he can find that spark. I mean, hitting in Seattle, which is he signed a one year, $7 million deal uh, to play there this year. It's a tough place to hit. So the fact that he had a 547 OPS is not all that surprising. He's also had a number of injuries this year. Last year, he played for the White Sox in his age 34 season, 93 OPS plus with a 389 slugging. It's actually really easy to hit in Chicago. So that's like a bit of a bummer. But it was also his first time in the American League. And, you know, the White Sox are kind of a mess top to bottom. So it's just maybe like, you know, I've never been impressed with Chicago. So it's just like maybe all around a shitty situation to play in. And then in 2021 with the Dodgers, though, he had an 892 OPS in uh, 117 games. And so, you know, you look at that, you look at the 2020 and 2021, he played three years with the Dodgers. You look at his three seasons with the Dodgers. Yes, a lot of injuries, uh, but he had an 856 OPS in 974 plate appearances. I don't think the Giants think they're going to get that guy or they're hoping to get lucky and get that guy. He's he's in his age 35 season. Definitely, you could be like, eh, this is Scooter Gannett, like I said before. Like when we on our last episode, like maybe they'll just be a guy that they can find and maybe they can get lucky. And if not, they'll just cut him. And it seems like that's what we're set up with here. Mikey Stremski's out for an extended period of time. This certainly necessitated the move. They also got Mark Matthias Matthias in the deal. Uh, basically, he was a waiver claim for the Mariners from the Pirates. So the Giants are getting uh, the Mariners' recent waiver claim and a guy who's basically a, a free agent bust that they, bust that they signed. It, it's basically no uh, risk for either side involved. The the Mariners are getting a player to be named back later. But also, Doug, for some reason, the the Mariners are paying down money are paying down some of the two and a half, two point six million he's owed the rest of the way. And again, how does Zaidi do this? How does he get teams to pay for these trades? Brian, it doesn't get more SF. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's kind of. I mean, that's. I bet that's Farhan's pitch. He calls the Mariners like, "We'll, you know, we'll take him. We'll pay most of the salary if you pay a little bit, and give us that that other wa- waiver claim guy, and let's see what happens." And because him and Depoto are, are best buds who are physically incapable of going a calendar month without making multiple trades, um, this has been documented in several mental health publications. The, you know, Jerry Depoto was like, sure, let's let's do it. I'll take either a player to be named later or cash. It's just, it's kind of a nothing trade. Farhan's whole kind of way he operates with the Giants seems to just be take as few risks as possible. And then, you know, eventually he does want to take like a big risk. You know, that's that's the Correa deal they tried to sign. But um, but like in season, it's really just, well, I'm not going to give up anything, so I'm not going to get much, but maybe I'll get lucky. And, you know, to be fair, that's how they got Mikey Stremski, uh, Lamont Wade Jr., uh, Alex Dickerson, who was good for a couple of years before that last year, it's, it has worked in building the roster. Uh, and maybe M- Mark Mathias will be the next one, but you know, probably not, but Hey, you can't win if you don't play Brian. <laughs> and obviously they're thinking, Oh, we'll, we'll get Tyro Thyro Estrada back. <laughs> Thyro. Uh, this, yes. This weekend. And Mitch Hanniger at some point, so there are those elements in playing into this. It's really trite, I think. 
it's something we've heard from Brian Sabian. You know, those are like trade deadline deals, getting some injured guys back. I think we have to accept at some point whether or not we believe that that's reasonable. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably been a baseball fan for a very long time. There is obviously an element of truth to that. And then the bigger part of it is, as Doug said, this is a nothing deal. It's no risk. And the upside is that it works. And what does what is it what does it working look like? I would say it's getting closer to a league average lineup, which actually makes them much better. I don't think AJ Pollock hitting league average or close to it actually puts the Giants in the position to be like a 100 weighted runs created plus team. But if they get within like to like 90, which is still not good, but if they did that plus their pitching, they would be a better team than they were in July. I think that's the that's the part that they're looking at. And it and what we talked about before, the prices for trade targets was beyond the Giants comfort zone and the amount like it made sense if Shohei Otani was available, if Juan Soto was somehow available, you know, if certain guys were available, it made sense to give up a painful amount of prospects. But you look at some of the other big names that were moved. I think I'm, I'm okay with the Giants being like, not this year, not for those guys, not this year. Let's see what we can do with the guys we get back and the guys, the young guys we have. Let's see what happens. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I I actually agree. Um, and I think the other thing I would add to that is that the Giants aren't really good enough this year to consider giving up any of their top prospects for uh, someone who'd be even even like a pretty good upgrade. Even if you know they could have gotten Eduardo Rodriguez, you know he wouldn't be worth you know Wade Meckler or whatever because the the current Giants team is just they're not strong enough to to go far in the playoffs and if, if they do somehow get strong through that it'll have to come from within so why would you even need another guy their window is is technically open but it feels more like it's opening than it's kind of all the way there so this isn't really time to give away prospects as much as it seems like you know i was just criticizing farhan for not taking risks i it is probably the smart move with this with this roster it's they have they're they're deep in players who have a major league skill. A lot of those players, though, that skill isn't hitting, <laughs> and it's it's hard to find that many hitters. <laughs> so, what are you going to do? You know, I, you know, Casey Schmidt's defense is is really good. Uh, you saw, we saw Luciano, Marco Luciano, briefly. We saw, you know, we've been seeing Luis Matos. We've been seeing <laughs> Brett Wisely. We've been seeing Patrick Bailey. Um, and none of them, I would say, their their bats are fully ready yet. So, I mean, is this the year to to give it all to you know make that big push for one more guy? Probably not. And I share the frustration. I share a piece of that frustration that fans might have because it feels like for many years now the Giants have been in that middle space of like. Do we compete? Do we try? How hard do we try? Uh, do we, you know, reset? And, and so I get it because it's like, ah, oh, we're not there yet. Still, it feels so palpable. And, you know, they're playing extremely well right now in spite of that lineup situation. They did end July with a losing month. Important to note. But as uh, Doug mentioned in the AJ Pollock era, undefeated. And they're actually 61 and 49. Now they're playing well enough uh, because the pitching has been so great. 
And you know what? I would say if you're dealing with the San Francisco Giants playing in Oracle Park, yeah, I would just try to make the pitching and defense as good as it can be. We talked about all this all last year, right? Like if they could just get the defense closer to average. And last year they tried to go with, how do we make the offense better? They became obsessed with that. They're like, what if we just double down on the offense? That will cover for the bad defense. And then we saw, no, it didn't. <laughs> not not it, for it, the it emphatically did not. No. <laughs> Uh, apologies to Yerman Mercedes, but also please apologize to us, Yerman Mercedes. <laughs> so there was a big shift to away from that and look where they are. And I, and I get it. It's not sexy. It's not exciting. AJ Pollock is, is a more bummer than not, but there's a good chance he'll either play well or we'll forget he was on the team. Those are the two options. <laughs> and I think if you look at it that way, it's kind of like, yeah, what's the risk? There's no risk here. It's all, it's all potential upside or it's a null move. And yeah, there, there just wasn't that one guy that you really wanted them to get. I think there was no like smoke around, especially once Otani, if Otani had been on the market, that would have been really interesting to see. Like would the Padres have then sort of gotten in the mix with some of their guys, but no, the, the expanded wild card kept a lot of teams in it uh, for good for the game, I guess uh, bad for fans who want, big trades in the middle of the season, but that's not the giants way. I, I would also, I would also say that uh, the Cubs de- deciding they were contenders was another big factor. Stroman and Bellinger, if Stroman and Bellinger are on the market, it's a very different trade deadline. I think the good news is that it means that free agency will once again be pretty exciting because Stroman's going to opt out. Bellinger had an option, which I didn't realize he's going to opt out because uh, it's a mutual option. And, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez, unless he gets injured, is probably going to opt out too. Those are three really good players on the market. Then you get like the Juan Soto. Are they going to trade depending on what happens the rest of the year? So if nothing else, the offseason uh, and then Shohei Otani being on the market, you know what I mean? Like now suddenly the offseason is uh, potentially uh, much more exciting uh, than it would have than it might not have been uh, just a couple weeks ago. Hey, all you Golden State Warriors fans out there, you got to tune in to the Oakland Warriors podcast, the official dubs podcast of Fans First Sports Network. It's awesome. It's hosted by Patrick Epino and a rotating crew of guests who follow this franchise for decades, just like Doug and I have with the Giants. The show dives deep into all things Warriors, both on the court and off. Will the dubs be legit contenders this year? Is Steve Kerr actually going to play Jonathan Kaminga enough to have a breakout year? Will the Chris Paul trade be a blessing or a curse? I'm very interested to know that myself. And most importantly, can Steph win another title or maybe two? The show takes an all-encompassing look at the greatest team in the NBA. No hot takes, no agendas, no bluster, and no goofy knee-jerk reactions. Just smart, insightful Warriors talk about the past, present, and future from one of the best in the business. Tune in and subscribe to the People's Podcast, the Oakland Warriors Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Oakland Warriors. Let's go! All right, now it's time for our bullpen trust power rankings for July. Doug, you are a veteran of these, and I got to confess, we're at the point of the season where it's kind of a mushiness, and I'm kind of not, I'm kind of looking at the whole uh, season to this point and not wanting to hold maybe one bad month against the guy or injuries against the guy. My boy, John Brebia, didn't pitch in July, so he's not, he's not to be factored in. We've got some weirdness with the Giants going full in on. Likes are now Florps in terms of constructing their rotation. Okay. Like 
means anything anymore. So who's a starter? Who's a reliever? I don't know. Um, all that. So how do you how do you approach this when you sit down to put it together? It's a it's a very complex process. I have fourteen different spreadsheets. <laughs> I have to collate a lot, uh, and then I sort of uh, put it out into the universe the night before I release it and see if the universe sends it back. <laughs> which which it did, by the way. I uh, I had to move Tyler Rogers up one spot this time because I had him too low. So before we start recording, I when I sent Doug the rundown, I was like, we'll just wing it and see who has how many. But it turns out we talked before that we actually both have 10. We decided not to include Mauricio Yovera, but I have to mention him here now, Doug. He had a 1-0 record with the Giants in July, but make that 2-0 because of his relief appearance in that Red Sox <laughs> series. Thank you, Mauricio Yovera, for proving exactly why the Giants were willing to trade him for a, a relief prospect who, if you look at uh, his Marquez Johnson, I believe is his name. If you look at his numbers. It's like, Oh, he could be another Ryan Walker or John Brevia. That's cool. Anyway. So Mauricio Rivera, despite pitching for the giants in July, 5.1 innings is not on either of our lists. So let's start Hashtag with your forever giant. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. Same with Eduardo Rodriguez for turning down the Dodgers at the <laughs> trade deadline. Uh, right. right. So let's, let's ignore that. Rodriguez also definitely would have turned down the giants because yes. he wants to pitch on the East coast. No, I read. Okay. Well, I read Ken Rosenthal's piece and it looks like he was wanting a fourth year on his deal for $20 million added on. Like, so he was going to opt in for his three years and he wanted a fourth year on top of it. And so I can see why that, but I wonder if the giants were even in on him because far anxiety, giving a three year deal worth more than $13 million Two guys going to be 31, 32, and 33. Doesn't seem like his MO, but we'll no, never know. We'll, never, we'll know. never know. So who's your number 10? Your least trustworthy guy. My least trustworthy is Jacob Junis. Uh, he actually had a pretty good month. He had, you know, 368 ERA. His, you know, FIP and XFIP were even better than that. And uh, Brian, I don't care. I do not trust Jacob Junis. I... And just every time he's in the game, I'm just waiting for him to be bad again. And uh, he's going to be last. And he's going to be last until the Giants find someone worse. 14.2 innings pitched. He pitches in seven games. Uh, 9.8 K per nine and a 0.61 walks per nine. Wow. You look at that and you go, hey, that's pretty good. In on top of the FIP and the XFIP you mentioned, 0.2 wins above replacement. But my goodness, that slider would disappear on him right when they did not want it to disappear on him. Yeah. Still had a 15.4% home run to fly ball rate, uh, basically right in line with Ryan Walker. But if I line up the two of them, I'm, I'm wanting Ryan Walker over Jacob Junis. And I, I will say, you know, I have him as 10 as well. But I will say, yes, he had a, a, a coming and going month. You know what I mean? Like, it's exactly what you said. Like, he looked bad, but he looked okay. So he's the definition of the least trustworthy guy in the bullpen. We should have probably started with bullpen stats to start the month. The Giants' bullpen was, once again, good. It is by far their strength. So it's kind of like we're not really saying the lower guys on this are are bad. That's something important to keep in mind. But, yeah, Jacob Junis, I don't want him in the game late. <laughs> no, thank you, sir. No. So who's your number nine? Decline. 
my number nine is Alex Wood, who he's kind of in that like, oh, he wants to be a starter. Sometimes he's a starter, sometimes a reliever. But you know what? I'm just going to call him a reliever. He had six appearances this month or in, in July last month. Um, two starts for four relief appearances. In those six appearances, in three of them, he was he was good. It combined those three appearances, pitched 11 and two-thirds innings, gave up one run. The other three appearances he had, pitched a combined eight and a third innings, gave up 12 runs. You just, you look at him and you don't know who's going to show up. Uh, and it, it's it's hard. It is hard to make that into a consistent, like, trustworthy reliever. This is exciting because I have him as a starter. So, but I agree. I mean, Alex Wood, what, what is he? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, a he's a best for sure. <laughs> um, my number nine was Keaton Wynn. And I guess it's kind of unfair. He, he pitched four innings in July. Uh, you know, he had a 540 XFIP, but uh, a 702 FIP, but I trust him more than I trust Jake. <laughs> Eunice. So that was why I put him in there. Oh, I, I absolutely trust Keaton Wynn more. I didn't include Keaton Wynn because that one appearance was a start. Yeah. So I was like, you know, and besides he's injured right now, I think he's going to be out at least till September. Um, it seems like. So I, I did not include him. So then who's your number eight? Uh, number eight is Sean Manaya, mm. uh, who he's mostly not actively bad. He did have a run of three straight appearances where he gave up multiple runs in each appearance um, against Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and Washington. Um, and that was a little hard to watch. But, uh, you know, he had a, a decent month by by the the advanced stats, at least by FIP. Uh, his ERA was around five. His FIP was around two and a half. His expected FIP was around four. Um, but he, you know, he struck out almost a guy per inning. He struck out 18 and 18 and thirds innings, I think. Uh, and he didn't, his, his walk rate was pretty good. He didn't give him any homers. He had a kind of a high BABIP. So that should come down Uh low left on base percentage. So that should come up. You know, those are things that should help him. Um, but you know, he, he can be bad sometimes. You know, we saw how bad he was earlier in the year. He mostly put that behind him, but he'll have those runs. And he had kind of a stretch. Uh, he had he had that stretch in uh, in the middle of July, on the long road trip that was not very fun. Uh, for my number eight, I have Luke Jackson, only because we don't know what we're getting with him, and the Giants are effectively slow playing him back into usage, and so. I think my distrust is based strictly on his health situation right now. Uh, but otherwise he, he looks fantastic whenever he does get into a game. So that's kind of uh, my situation there. And then I have Sean Manaya for my number seven. So yeah, I have, I have Luke Jackson at number seven for the same reason. I mean, he just, he can't pitch as much as the other relievers on the team. So there's always going to kind of be that, voice in the back of your mind saying well is this it can he even pitch today it's been like two days is he okay yet um which makes it a little a little hard but when he gets in there he's great i'm optimistic but for right now like let's see what happens like hopefully he he looked good in the diamondback series let's hope that he can just kind of continue the trend that's all like i I really don't know it's kind of scary because 
they they need him. They need either him or actual John Brebbia to be the John Brebbia <laughs> right now. And I don't know uh, what's if what's going to happen there. So who's your number six then? Uh, so my number six is Tristan Beck, and I honestly tried to rank him higher. Oh, I did. I, 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 I just did. <laughs> I, I I couldn't. No, I, I wildly overrated someone else. We'll get to that. Okay, okay. All right. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's he's just so good now. And I just, I, I felt bad putting putting him ahead of any of the other guys. So I moved him back, and maybe it was unfair. Because I don't have anything actually negative to say about him. You know, the whatever, the strikeouts were a little low. Uh, it's kind of an artificially low ERA because his BABIP was 231 on the month. Uh, his strand rate was high, which will come down. But, that's that. you know, those are pretty minor nitpicks. He had a good month. Um, and I think he's been showing just how, just how strong of a pitcher he is. Uh, you know, we're not taking into account his performance in yesterday's game, the one nothing winning against the Diamondbacks. But um, even without that, he had he had a good month of July. He's um, absolutely an important part of the the major league roster now, and he is also uh, the best thing that Mark Melanson ever did for the Giants. <laughs> I mean, Beck's pitching so well; it's like uh, he's not going to be a starter, is he? He's gonna, <laughs> he's going to be this. He's going to be better, Jacob Junis. You know, he's gonna, he's going to be the two inning guy that either you know holds the line or or gets the hold. Um, yeah, so I was, I did do a big, uh, maybe overreaction, but I also did do a bit of a course correction because in your Mania talk, it made me realize like, no, I'm overrating his August. I let that influence my judgment. I can't do that. So I dropped Mania, but you know, Tyler, Tyler Rogers had like his third or fourth worst month as a giant in July by allowing the seven earned runs. And you know me with Tyler Rogers, I'm always ready to to bail. I'm I'm ready to leave yeah. that relationship in a moment's notice. Uh, so I dropped him to six, and I know that that's stupid, but he had a bad month. So my trust, uh, I, he's got he's got in the trust. No, back. Brian, I I completely understand. He's the this is where I had him, and then the universe told me not to put him there. <laughs> when you um, put it out the night before, sure. <laughs> I put it out the night before, and the universe was like, no, you got to move him up to five. <laughs> and I was like, I, I don't know if he's really five. Like, move him up to five. You'll thank me later. I don't know if I will, but um, I have him at five for basically the exact same reason. My notes on Tyler Rogers are, I am being somewhat unfair, and I know this, but he had a bad month. So, And, you know, it, he'll have bad months. That's the thing about Tyler Rogers. He, he will have those months where balls find holes, but only at the worst times, um, where he'll just cluster all these hits one after another after another, he won't get the strikeouts um, at some high rate. He'll give up a, a homer here and there, and then suddenly you'll you'll be like, "Well, what's wrong with him?" You know, sometimes he has that month. That's the kind of pitcher he is. He's still a really good pitcher, but um, but it'll happen, and that's why it's hard to it'll be hard to basically ever put him at number one on these rankings, no matter who else is on the team. Also, um, but he's... for now, I have him at five. But also in his time with the Giants, he's backed up bad months with bad months. And then he's been so dominant around the two bad months in a row that it's worked out. And that could happen here. It may not. He didn't have a great April. Important to remember as well. Um, but yeah, I, 
I put his brother at number five, and I have to be completely honest with you. I cannot recall a single pitch Taylor Rogers threw in in July, but that's it. I I forgot Taylor. I could have forgotten Taylor Rogers was on the team, but he had a a solid month worth worth mentioning. Uh, He was he had a point to war. I mean, the 558 expected FIP on a 349 FIP and a 193 ERA, those folks are what we call bad indicators. The (laughs) 4.82 walks per nine and the 7.7 strikeouts per nine, not great. 9.1 innings in 10 games, one and two record. So obviously there was some contact issues there, uh, some walk issues there, but I honestly can't remember an inning a pitch he threw. So maybe he should go lower, but Tyler Rogers had that bad of a month that I'm like, no, trust wise, this could be a BABIP uh, storm happening right now. And so I'm, I'm going to distrust. I'm going to go with the guy with the strikeout potential over the ground ball guy. Um, yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. I have him at, at four. He's next up. One of those losses, by the way, that that Taylor Rogers took was uh, the last game of the month. The extra he took loss in the tenth inning against the Diamondbacks because that's a stupid rule. So (laughs) (laughs) it's hard to blame him too much for that one, you know. I mean, okay, he didn't strike out the side like Camilo Duvall would have, but not everyone can be Camilo Duvall. Uh, He seemed he seemed good. Like you say that. You know, you don't remember a single pitch he threw. That's a compliment for a reliever. That's, you know, for like a middle reliever, you don't, if you remember him, 90% chance is for doing, doing something bad. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm fine. You know, I know the advanced stats really didn't like his month because he didn't give up because he gave basically because he gave up a few more fly balls than usual and none of them went out for a homer. So that kind of the XFIP skyrocketed. Um, but overall, I thought he was good. I still feel fine when he's on the mound. So I, I have him four. All right. I have, I have my boy, Scott Alexander, Mr. Deadwood himself at number four, because yeah. now he's opening games and he's, he's kind of like Taylor Rogers in the, um, there are, there are a couple of times I'm like, is this going to work? And then it, it seems fine. So to me and Scott Alexander also, you know, whatever you want to say about wins above replacement and a small sample size of a month, you know, 0.3, he had the same, uh, whip or war in the month as Sean Mania and Ross Stripling. Uh, so, you know, say what you want there. He did well. I, I liked what he had to do. And again, I'm a huge fan of, I'm a huge fan of Statcast being a fan of his sinker and uh, he, he looks solid. So I, I trust him very firmly. Um, I will not be changing my rating despite of your great argument, reasoned argument about Taylor Rogers. I've got Scott Alexander at four. Uh, well, I have Scott Alexander at three. Ah. Uh, because Brian, you've sold me. He's good. <laughs> uh, I'm convinced. Um, he, he was so solid. He was so solid this month. He came in and just everything would immediately calm down when he was in the game. Um, which is exactly what you want to see from kind of the veteran old timer presence in the bullpen, which is what he is. You know, if you look at the stats, they're all basically fantastic. The strikeout rate isn't in the tens or whatever, but, Seven and a quarter strikeouts per nine, one walk per nine. I, what, are you going to complain about that? I don't think so. Um, ground ball rate on he gets ground balls on two thirds of the balls get put in play. That's phenomenal. So yeah, I mean Scott Alexander had a really good month. He looks great. He's he's getting it done, hundred percent. So I didn't have him number three because our our boy Ryan Walker 
just mowing him down as the opener. I mean, we did they just let him fly and he kind of turned his month around. Remember, he was kind of rough to start the month opening. And then then it just all clicked where the Giants cheating lab really, really locked in and figured out how to use him best. But uh, Ryan Walker for me. uh, Yeah, his first two appearances in July, three, three innings. Four earned runs allowed, uh, four strikeouts, two home runs allowed. And then after that, he pitched. This is fun. I love baseball reference doing this. Then he had 13 innings. He allowed two earned runs, 14 strikeouts to one walk. Woo! I'm doing the Antonio (laughs) Banderas lean back from my laptop. Uh, 138 ERA, 235 FIP. I mean, Ryan Walker, good job. The guy that came out when he debuted, I'm like, oh, that's a major league reliever. Congratulations. It is very hard as a reliever to have any sort of consistency and to ride the waves, to ride the rapids. Many a pitcher has been tossed off that toboggan, and at least through July, he's doing a good job. So congrats, Ryan Walker. Yeah, I mean, I have Ryan Walker at number two. That's Mm. probably an overranking. Like, if I'm being honest, in my heart, I know this. But at the same time, he starts a game and you like, he just looks dominant now. Um, yeah. There was a, there was a time, you know, beginning of the month and even, even in June, some where he would come in and you wouldn't, he wouldn't necessarily look like he knew where the ball was going, but his stuff was so nasty. He would kind of work his way through it. Um, and so, you know, there's some iffiness with that, but now uh, he comes in, he knows where it's going. He's putting it there on purpose and hitters can't do a thing against it. Um, he's had, Let's see. In his last six appearances, five of them have been at least two innings. Um, so he comes in. He can he can be that like fireman, that multi inning stopper. He can be a starter or the opener who goes on, who gets into the third, which is a huge benefit for the team. I, I really can't say enough about the job he's done so far this year. He's been incredibly impressive. I wonder if the tweak was listen, just go out there and pitch and like, just let's see how long this goes and not having to fit into a role. And you know what I mean? Like he's not having to be careful. Maybe there's some freedom mentally that they've given him. Just, I say that because he looks very comfortable now and maybe he just feels good. And you know what I mean? Like the game plan solid and he's just getting out there and like knowing, you know what I mean? Like he's not pitching later in the game when the game is on the line or, in, you know, he's just starting the game. It's like not having to come in and be perfect. It's just can, how many outs can you get? Let's see how long you can go. Maybe there's just some mental aspect to it. That's clear. You think you're having him at number two as an overrank? Well, this is where I really, I thought <laughs> my, my putting him at number three was an overrank. I put Tristan Beck at number two. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, only because it's like, you know, I had such high hopes for Tristan Beck to be like, this is the back of the rotation starter. And then again, like I said, he's pitching so well, like, ah, we've lost him to the pen. I'm sure that wasn't what he wanted, but he's pitching too well. So now he's going to be a seventh, eighth inning guy or a two inning guy or the guy that comes in in extra innings and has to pitch, you know, uh, get the team out of it that it was the it was the one in Boston I mean he had four appearances in July and I'm ranking him as the, the second most trustworthy reliever this is this is podcasting 
crime right now. This is sports talk, radio, garbage, nonsense that I'm doing right now. But the Red Sox have a great lineup. He's coming in in extra innings and he's shutting them down. He's just mowing them down. He is. He looks so good out there. He's one of those guys where you think we talked about this in the last episode. Like you think that slider is his main pitch, his featured pitch, but it's actually his fastball because his slider is so good. If that makes any sense, contextually, <laughs> the slider is effective, but because the slider is so good, it actually makes his fastball better. It's crazy. It's wild. Everything he's doing, it doesn't break my brain. It just makes me go, huh, this is how a starter becomes a reliever. We're watching it in real time. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's just been so good this year. Um, and especially that last month. Uh, I, I just want to echo that that game against Boston. I don't, did, we, did I say this on the last podcast? I don't care. I'm going to say it again. Who remembers the last podcast? I sure don't. <laughs> uh, he came in and, you know, you, you could be kind of worried, right? Extra innings, you're like, all right, that run, there's a good chance it's going to score. After the first batter of both the 10th and 11th innings, you're like, that guy's not scoring. Yep. Uh, yeah. he, he's done his job. It's, it's over. Um, and, and that's how it happened. He was so dominant and so in command of a lineup that is that strong and has Justin Turner who was in the ballpark making a deal with Satan. Uh, this is documented by me on this podcast. Um, and he's, and he still shut them down. So, I mean, you can't, you, you really can't overstate how rate of an appearance that was for Tristan Beck. All right. So then that leaves the consensus. Number one is Camilo Duvall. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he blew a save this month and it's still like, yeah, I mean, you know, it'll happen. They're pitching him just constantly. He, he got two saves in the same day. Yes. I, I don't, I don't know. Like it's, <laughs> he's, you know, he's, he's the all-star. He's, he's that good. He absolutely deserves every one of these accolades. That's right. Earlier in the month, we said, oh, is is he one of the best closers? Is he the best closer in the history of the Giants? I think we're already having that conversation. His July, despite the blown save, it was his only blown save. He had a 491 ERA uh, in, in 11 innings, but uh, 14 strikeouts, two walks, and a 154 FIP. So, great. <laughs> and he looked fine. He looked healthy. I do wonder. Yes, they they pitched him. Uh, they didn't pitch him on the first, Doug. So <laughs> there's that. He didn't pitch one game of the series. He's going to have or of the Diamondback series. He pitched the 29th, the 30th, the 31st. Uh, and then he had the first off and then he pitched the second and the third. And now he'll have a today off. And then tomorrow uh, on Hopefully the, the Giants can score more than one run against the A's or, you know, more than, have more than a one run cushion or three run cushion against the A's. You never know with this team. You never know. I mean, the A's, the A's are so bad that it's possible. They did score eight runs against them. That's true. The last game they played. So if there's any team that can make the Giants look like an actual major league offense, it is the Oakland A's. Not so a guarantee. No. So should we recap? Let's go down your list or 10, 10 to one. You Doug. All right. 10 to one. Uh, at 10, I have Jacob Junis and then Alex Wood, Sean Manaya, Luke Jackson, Tristan Beck, Tyler Rogers, Taylor Rogers. Oh, the twins are together. Scott Alexander, Ryan Walker, and Camilo Duvall. And I had Jacob Junis at 10, Keaton Wynn, Luke Jackson, Sean Manaya, Tyler Rogers, Taylor Rogers, Scott Alexander, Ryan Walker, Tristan Beck, 
and Camilo Duval. Take either list. Go argue your points with your friends and family. Uh, no riffs. D- don't create any riffs between your loved ones or your friends. Just have a spirited debate about who is right. It's usually Doug, but I want to make a case that I got him on my side with Scott Alexander. And our top four is kind of like we all are. We both giggled like idiots talking about the top four guys. So just putting that out there. Uh, All right. Well, we'll be back on Monday to talk about what we found interesting and concerning about the Giants past week or so. We're going to talk about the Giants new sponsor, their Jersey patch sponsor. Do you remember that joke from the Simpsons? The Tom Hanks joke in the, in the Simpsons movie where the, the U S government is using Tom Hanks to, you know, they've lost all credibility. So they're using some of mine. That's what these Jersey patch uh, sponsorships are. They're using, they're, they're stealing the valor of the local baseball team to uh, boost their brand appeal and visibility. But we'll talk about that some more on Monday. Where can people find you, Doug? Uh, You can find me at giantsdoug.substack.com where I write twice a week about the San Francisco Giants, a baseball club. Uh, yesterday, I wrote about the Giants' absolute failures uh, with runners in scoring position in July. So check that out if you like reading about the Giants sucking. That's <laughs> a weird pitch. I have regrets. Brian, where can people read your work? I'm at McCoveyChronicles.com. You can also add us on Twitter at Giants Croncast. Don't forget, we're part of Fans First Sports Network at Fans First SN on Twitter. Also, FansFirstSports.com. And you can find all the podcasts for your favorite teams, the Warriors, the 49ers. Uh, I don't know who else, what other teams people like. Those are the two I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, Don't forget to rate us five stars on Apple or in Spotify. Until Monday, go Giants!